0: What's up everybody, it's your favorite family life coach, Candace Lodre, coming to you again this week with Celebrity Lemonade. Hope you all have had an awesome and amazing weekend and week. We are coming to you again with a new topic. Um, this one is going to be a little bit serious, but I'm going to try my best to try to make it as light as possible, as well as give you some good information um, to take with you. So today's topic is going to be focusing on Emily B. and Fabulous and Kalisa Nas. And the title is Staying When It Hurts, Knowing When It's Time to Walk Away. Um, for those of you that haven't been really um keeping up as far as in the news, Emily B. and Fabulous, unfortunately, was involved in a domestic dispute um back in March. And then Kalisa. Uh, just came out today um, in an interview discussing her domestic interactions with Nas during their marriage, which is completely a shock and surprise to a lot of us. But I'm gonna give you a little bit of background on each one of uh, these celebrities, just so you know who everybody is. So starting out with Emily being fabulous. Um. Fabulous, of course, is a known rapper from New York. I would say he's pretty underrated. Um a lot of, he doesn't really go on a lot of people's radar, unfortunately, but he is a decent lyricist, as they say. Um, he's best known for the song You Make Me Better with uh Neo. You make me better, you make me better. Um at least that's the song that I know him from. <laughs> best and he um had a lot of songs with Little Mo. Um yeah, our uh, superwoman or yeah, baby. Yeah. Listen to me. I can't even tell you the words. It's been it's been a minute, but <laughs> uh superwoman. So he he was in that um that he's known for that song as well. Um but again, he's a, he's a famous rapper. Again, he's kind of under the radar. A lot of people don't really put him in their top five or ten, but he's a decent lyricist. Um, Emily B., however, she's a wardrobe stylist and shoe designer for the stars. Um, her and Fab began dating on and off back in 2002. You probably know her from when she did her stint on Love and Hip Hop New York back in 2011. Um she discussed as far as the challenges that she endured with Fab and um how she wasn't sure if she wanted to stay with him and if she wanted to leave so basically they documented their relationship from when they began how it was from when they basically started to how it is now um within the two seasons she was on um you probably best know her from the scene when she had her interaction with Cambella who at the time was Jewel Santana's um, baby mother (laughs) and girlfriend. And she um, informed Emily B. that she dated Fab while they were still together. And Chrissy, who was Jim Jones's girlfriend, as well as Emily B.'s best friend, she decided to commenced to beating Combella's behind. So you probably best know Emily B. from that scene, (laughs) Um, unfortunately. But, yes, she was on Love & Hip Hop New York for just only two seasons. Now, back in March, um, all of our phones and TVs, uh, the blog sites kind of just blew up because... uh, information came out that Emily B and Fabulous, um, got into a domestic dispute. Um, this allegedly included him hitting her seven times in the face with the results of him knocking two of her teeth out. It alleged, uh, he allegedly threatened her over text messages that he was going to kill her. Um, then the next following week after receiving that information, um a videotape appeared of Fabulous being held back uh by his bodyguard and he was lunging at Emily B, and we found out it was um Emily B's father. There's another gentleman holding the father back, and Fabulous is heard saying that um he has a bullet with the father and the brother's name on it. They shouldn't be on a property. You can hear kids in the background crying. Um, and then you see Emily B trying to videotape Fabulous, and Fabulous is lunging at her, and it appears that he has the object in his hand, but we don't know what it was. But it was a pretty, pretty bad scene to actually see overall. Unfortunately, um, fast forwarding now to the present, um, since Coachella happened, there has been rumors that they were actually there together at Coachella. Um even a few days before Coachella happened, they were stating that um allegedly friends of hers have been saying that she is not going to leave him. She's going to stay with him and she's committed to their relationship. So a lot of people have been giving their opinions about that um, as far as her stand, but we're going to get a little bit more into that later on in the podcast. So that is the scoop on Emily B and Fabulous. Now moving forward to Khaleesa Nas. Um, Khalees and I obviously are a little bit m- more well-known <laughs> than Emily B and Fabulous. But um, Khalees is a singer who um, is famous for her hits, My Milkshake Bring All The Boys To The Yard. They're like, it's better than yours. And um, I Hate You So Much Right Now. So those are her two big hits that uh, she's well-known for. And she kind of came on the scene and she had some undercover hits that I can't name the titles of, but then with Milkshake and um, the "I Hate You So Much Right Now" song came on, she blew up and was everywhere. And then she kind of faded into the darkness again. So <laughs> um, currently, she's a chef and she has her own farm, and she's married and she has another son by another man. But she's doing pretty well. Um, she has a Great cookbook out that uh, I actually looked in it a few times, and um it's pretty good. But that's Khalees in a nutshell. Nas is a... Hip Hop Legend, pretty much. <laughs> he is New York's jewel, as they would say. Um, he's best known for um, "One Mic" and "If I Rule the World." World, if I rule uh, with Lauryn Hill. So, uh, which is a a lot of people' classic favorite. Um, he's always been pretty socially conscious. Um, he kind of dipped into the whole like gaudy and wearing jewelry and kind of getting into the more, um, pop hip hop scene when he came out with the Oochie Wally Wally, Oochie Bang Bang. And, um, the song he had with Genuine Shorty, say what's your price. I'm just, just giving y'all all my little vocals. So please don't, uh, turn your radios down as I'm singing. Those are the last, uh, little <laughs> vocals I'm gonna give you. But, um, Again, he's a hip-hop legend. He's known for those songs. Um, He always tried to give you food for thought with the songs that he put out. Um, Always been very low-key, very private. Never been out there in the open. Um, So when him and Khalees got together and got married in 2005, everybody was rooting for him because they just Khalees was so eccentric. And, you know, she was kind of to herself too, but she was so creative and different. And Nas was laid back and cool and... They seemed like they were an awesome couple from outside looking in. Um through their marriage, they created a child and everything seemed cool until 2010 when they decided to divorce. Um so Nas um since then as well continued has has continued to make music. He's ventured into other um things like things that are um more focused on tech and uh getting more on the business side outside of music and he had a little stint dating Nicki Minaj which was real left but <laughs> that since has been over but um Khalees decided to come out as I stated earlier today and give an interview about their marriage now both of them like I said was pretty private um, during their marriage, after their marriage. Um, so this kind of is a little left field as far as for her to give details about the things that were going on within their marriage. Um, a lot of it is due to, because they have had kind of an ugly custody battle with their son. Um, I remember hearing things a couple of years back, um, when they had first got, Divorce that it wasn't pretty, as far as they kinda had an ugly divorce as well, um, within the courts, but it kind of came and went. And so to hear about this today, um, it has just been announced that they're back in court battling custody for their son. So she decided to do an interview, and within the interview, uh, she stated in detail how their relationship was filled with domestic alcohol and drug abuse on both ends so she's just not accusing him but she said it was on her as well so it's interesting to see um how she opened up as well as about herself and him as well so here's where I come in <laughs> as far as to you know discuss from a family life coach perspective about the issue of domestic violence. So just to give you a couple of fast facts about domestic violence so you understand how it impacts our society. Um, One, domestic violence is the leading cause of injury to women between the ages of 15 and 44 in the United States. Three to four million women in the United States are beaten in their homes each year by their husbands, ex-husbands, or male lovers. One woman is beaten by her husband or partner every 15 seconds in the United States. So as I have been talking, a woman has been abused every 15 seconds as I've been talking to you, okay? If you can sit back and imagine that, that's insane. So you know that somebody somewhere is being abused by their spouse or partner every 15 seconds. Battery or physical abuse tends to increase and become more violent over time. So it may start off with a grab, then it may start off with, then it may continue to a push, then it may continue to a slap, then it increased to a punch, then it increased to multiple punches. So It it definitely does not stop with a grab or it doesn't stop with a push. It definitely increases over time to things worse that can eventually result to death. Um, Domestic violence does not end immediately with separation. Over 70% of women injured in domestic violent cases are injured after separation. And this is very important because a lot of times we want to inform individuals that are in domestic violence situations that you should just leave and everything will be fine. But unfortunately it's not. There are a lot of steps that have to be taken after separation to protect that individual and the individual's children if there are children involved. Due to the individual leaving that situation, will only make that abuser angrier and which makes the abuser want to try to pursue to hurt that individual again. So that I will get into also a little further down the line in the podcast as far as discussing of the importance of a safety plan. If um you are the one that is being abused or you're um assisting someone that is abused. Witnessing violence between one's parents Or caretakers is the strongest risk factor of transmitting violent behavior from one generation to the next. So, a lot of times um, in domestic violence situations, especially when there are children involved, um, we think that we can cover it up as far as that, oh, you know, our children don't see the bruises or our children. They don't see the um they don't see me crying or the abuser never hits me in front of them. But children can see it, they can smell it, they can sense it. Children are very intuitive. So they do understand when a situation is not right. So if it is happening, you have a greater chance of your child or whoever is in that household witnessing carrying on that type of behavior in their own relationships or with other individuals. Um, Children who witness violence at home display emotional and behavior behavior disturbances as diverse as withdrawal, low self-esteem, nightmares, self-blame, aggression against peers, family members, and property. So it doesn't just affect them as far as them seeing it and they cry at the moment that they see mommy hurt. Um, it goes a lot deeper as far as um, it ends up turning into negative behavior within themselves. So they begin to have the low self-esteem about themselves. They begin to wake up in the middle of the night with nightmares. They begin to think that it's their fault why daddy is hitting mommy. They begin to... um show that aggression as I just mentioned before um towards others around them because they think that is how to that's how they're supposed to operate when they are mad and they also begin to have emotional and behavioral disturbances meaning they may cry all the time instead of just the time that they see mommy being hurt they may um you know, being full rage, like for no reason, um, if something happens. Um, so it can develop within them in multiple ways that is negative and that's not healthy. So relating this back to, um, Emily being fabulous situation and Khaleesa Nas, um, starting with Emily being fabulous. Um, as I read these fast facts about domestic violence, it just, It unfortunately makes me think about what we witnessed on the videotape between Emily being fabulous, the father, and the bodyguards and the children in the background. It just it shows that for one, to me, that this is behavior that happens that has happened before. That's for one. For two, um, it shows me that unfortunately, this is something that fabulous think is normal to do as far as to operate in rage and anger when he is upset that something did not happen his way now um just to add a little bit information you know there has definitely been reports from other individuals that are in their circle that states that this is not you know a fabulous behavior he's never you know acted like this before this is unbelievable um And while, yes, all of this is alleged, um, unfortunately, the camera doesn't lie. And, you know, while we may not know as far as the details of what has happened um, that led to what we saw on a videotape, again, the camera doesn't lie. And a lot of times we sometimes think that those quiet and docile and meek individuals are the nicest ones. They can have a mean streak, baby, that you have never seen before. And most of the time with abusers, they have to keep up a certain facade to make sure that their abuse does not go on the forefront. And so, yes, he could easily be the nicest, sweetest, and most amazing and content guy in front of his friends, and in front of his family, and in front of the world to see. But behind closed doors, he could be a completely different person person. That's why they say you never know any you never know a person until you live with them. That's because you're with them 24/7. You you're seeing the intimate side of them. And so again, while all of this is alleged, I'm going off of what I saw in the videotape. And on that videotape, it it showed characteristics of what an abuser does you know he's trying to regain his power he's trying to regain his control he feels like he's losing control because emily b allowed someone else to come in his house and take something from him so for him to get what he wants he feels like he has to react in rage therefore he's going to react in rage and the most docile person in the um uh, In the scenario, which would be Emily B. That's why he continued to launch out at her. So, it all unfortunately connects. Why I hate, hate to think because I was a fan of Fabulous to a certain extent before this happened. But, again, the camera doesn't lie. And, what we saw are characteristics of an abuser. So, with that being said, knowing these fast facts, my... Um, suggestion within this situation is most importantly, as I have stated within a previous podcast, children come first. And hearing those baby babies cry in the background, seeing their mother, seeing their grandfather, seeing their father being in this situation only can cause damage. And while that is not to say that they can never come back from this, due to the extent of what has been allegedly told through the police report and what we saw on the videotape, it would be best for Emily to move forward from this situation. Um, A lot of times, as we've seen in movies and we've seen um, in TV shows, as they depict um, domestic violence situations, a lot of times the abusee does go back to the abuser because they feel like they don't have anything out there for them you know a lot of times they a lot of times they are solely dependent on the abuser to the point where they feel like there's nothing out there for them so they have to go back well I'm not saying this is Emily B's situation because apparently she does have income and does have to a certain extent a life of her own I will be honest and say you know one of the reasons she stopped loving hip hop was she stated that Fabulous didn't like it anymore. He didn't like her putting herself out there. He didn't want individuals to depict his, uh, pick apart their relationship anymore. And while he did have a point, because that's what happens <laughs> on reality television, they pick apart your relationship until you separate, it also could be looked at on the other side that. She was now getting too much exposure. She was now beginning to have a life of her own. She was beginning to make decisions for herself. Because even in um, season one, it ended off with her actually saying she was going to leave. And she was going to begin to start looking to be with someone else. So it it sucks to, you know, to be the devil's advocate in the situation because if this is alleged and fabulous is innocent, then I I hope for the best for him. Because this are, this is horrible lies to be able to be attached to. But if it's the truth, the puzzles of the puzzles kind the pieces of the puzzle fit together. So again, um, I I would hope for her that she is able to connect with an agency or able to connect with someone a support system that cares for her to help her to make the steps that she would need to remove herself from the situation because dedicating this amount of time to someone that clearly does not think you're worthy because they feel that they can put their hands on you and do whatever they want with you it's not going to get better and it's not going to recover um moving forward with Khalees and Nas that it's kind of the after effect of what you know leaving a domestic violent situation could be you know Khalees detailed as far as the things that they both did within their marriage which was abuse drugs abuse alcohol and put their hands on each other and they both were able to recognize the red flags and signs to say you know what we're toxic for each other and we're not going to be able to make this work especially since we have a child involved so you know what we need to separate because this this right here is not working and they did and while yes they are still having issues as far as through the courts Khaleesa is still here to tell her story And a lot of times it don't end up that way. Nas is still here to tell his story. And sometimes even though it's rare, the male is not able to tell their story because domestic violent situations most of the time end in death. And it is nothing funny about it. It's nothing nothing to look away from. It is nothing to shy away from it is it is what it is and we have to begin to educate ourselves about this to know and recognize the signs and say you know what before this get to the point where I'm in too deep I need to remove myself and continue to live a life on this earth or people are going to be celebrating me while I'm six feet under in the ground so before I get into the, um, resources in how to be able to help someone that is abused or to, um, help yourself if you are the one that is being abused. I wanted to give a personal testimony about my own situation. Um, back in high school and my sophomore year, um, I was involved in a physical, um, and emotional, um, abusive relationship. Um, the guy that I was with was an all-American, meaning he fit kind of the abuser stereotype. He was a perfect. He was tall. He was the captain of every sports team. He was gorgeous. <laughs> he um, he came from a little bit of money, so he had you know he had money. He had his own car. He was a Athlete, a good student, like he was basically every young girl's dream. Um, myself, I didn't. I I was a pretty much a good catch, but I had my own personal issues that I was dealing with at home, to where I had low self esteem and I didn't really. I didn't really, um, look at myself as being the perfect catch at the time, even though I know differently now. Um, I actually left a good guy for him, for this guy, because I just could not fathom that this guy wanted to date me. I was like, you know, oh, he would never, he would never be thinking about little old me. You know, he can have any girl he wants, And he chose me and i was like "Bust that i'm i look what the guy I was with i was like you can kick rocks i'm done with you i didn't got me a star i am about to stick with this one i'm about to head to the hills we are gonna get married have beautiful babies and life is gonna be grand again i was a teenager so this is what teenagers think like um at the beginning of our relationship was magic. Like, it couldn't have been better. He would pick me up from school and his, um, I think he was driving a Lexus at the time. It was an old one, but it was still a Lexus. Um, he bought me my first pair of Jordans. <laughs> um, he, my mother adored him. Um, uh, my family adored him. I mean, it was just like I couldn't, I couldn't have gotten anything better than this. And then one day we got into a small argument and he called me stupid. And well, you know, again, we're teenagers. So I didn't think nothing of it. I was just like, Hey, that was off. Like, why you can call me on my name? Then as other arguments came to pass, the name calling persisted. Um, Then... I started to begin to see the mean streak in him where he would go below the belt on certain things about me and really, really talk about my appearance and about my family situation and just really go in, as they say nowadays. And I would be bawling and in tears and he would have no remorse. Like, whatever. You deserved it. And, um... Proceeding forward, um, one incident, we were at my best friend's house and we were on her porch and we had got into another disagreement. And I remembered he grabbed me by my arm and pushed me up against the iron screen. And he had me up against it so hard that I could feel like one of the hooks of the screen digging in the back of my head. And as I'm telling him, like, hey, you hurting me, you hurting me, the more I kept saying it, the further he kept pushing me into the screen. Um, And he basically was telling me, like, softly in my ear, like, you know I could hurt you real bad, right, and nobody would care. You know that I could do whatever I want to you and nobody would know and nobody would care. And I remember thinking in that moment, like, this is serious like this this isn't nothing that I ever experienced before, and um i was I was scared, and i was i I was crying, and I remember my best friend and her friend at the time she was like, you know they were they thought he was playing." Until they heard me crying. And then they were like, okay, you know, it's time to let her go now. Like, stop. And he wouldn't. And so, finally, I don't know if something clicked in his head or he just, you know, the rage went away. But he just let me go and was like, all right, see you tomorrow. And walked away with his friend. And I was traumatized. I'm crying. I'm, you know, shaking. And my best friend was trying to console me. And I just remember being like, Yeah, this is this isn't this isn't right. Like, this isn't good. So I remember keeping it to myself and then a couple of weeks later I had expressed it to my mother. And um, you know, my mother was, you know, of course, irate and upset, and she was asking me what she what I wanted her to do. And I just remember telling her, like, I don't know. And I didn't. I here I am, a fifteen year old girl, don't know anything, and I skipped over a very important part, which is, um, unfortunately, this young man was my first. And uh, you know, I at the time, being a teenager, was madly in love with him. I gave him a precious gift of mine. He was buying me everything, and I just kept thinking in the back of my head, like, yeah, you know that this this. This too shall pass. You know, he he got such great things about him that, you know, I don't really have to... I can look over all of this bad stuff that's going on. But, you know, my mother, of course, can try to convince me to leave the relationship alone. And we, me and him cooled down for a few weeks and then he... You know pops up at my school with some flowers, and I'm back in and so i I honestly think it was God intervention because I did decide to pursue the relationship for for a year and a half, and the breaking point for me was one day we were on the phone, I hadn't heard from him in like two weeks. And we were talking and he just, again, was just kind of just going in on me, just talking about how I'm not worthy, you know, worthy of him calling me. And I, and I'm, you know, just not a good person. And I just said, you know what, I'm, I'm done. And. I I honestly cannot tell you as far as like what what really made that the breaking point but that is how we I left the relationship. I told him I was done. I didn't want to talk to him anymore. I remember the crazy thing is I remember actually I was on the phone with my ex-boyfriend that I broke up with for him and we still remain good friends and I remember telling him I was done with it I was over it I'm not going to you know we can't pursue this relationship and I remember calling my ex-boyfriend back and saying you know what I think I'm done I think I'm over this and I can't do this anymore and I did and that was the that was the end of that journey but I, I thank God to this day that I did not stay because as if you heard through my story, it did increasingly get worse. You know, it did not start with him grabbing me or it did not start with him punching me or hitting me at first, but it increased to that. And thank God that was the only time that he did that to me. Um, But I knew that if I stayed longer, that it would have eventually gotten to that place where it would have been consistent. And so, there is a way out. There there are ways out. And I know that my story was a lot less than what a lot of women endure day to day. Um, but there are ways to be able to get out of these situations. One is, and I'll repeat this over and over, the National Domestic Violence Hotline is 1-800- 799 7233. There are ways they have resources, they have support uh systems set up for you. All you have to do is make that phone call. Once you make that phone call, you are at least making the step, at least making the step to be able to move forward now. Again, this is not easy. This is a challenge. This is something that women do not take easily. Um, it, it's not an easy step to take. However, it's possible. And um, there are resources online outside of that hotline that you can look up now I um, went through domestic violence training, Um, so I do understand as well that if you are solely dependent on your abuser and your abuser is very crafty and is very aware of trying to prevent from you of getting out of that situation, these websites are set up to where you can look up the information and then they have buttons at the bottom that say escape or say exit safely. And when you hit that button, all of your history of looking up that information disappears. And so therefore, if you are afraid to look up the information because you're afraid that your abuser is gonna look it up and see that you've tried to do this and of course that will ignite another unfortunate um, situation between you two they have ways to erase that information off your computer so definitely if you are able to get away if you're able to go to a library if you're able to go outside of the home look this information up um also another little tip as far as to help is if Again, if you're able to gather all your important information, such as birth certificates, social security cards, important phone numbers, um, a, a change of clothes, um, uh, some money if you're able to access it from anywhere, um, create a safety bag. You may not use it that day. You may not use it a month from then. You may not use it a year from then. But if you have that information together and in your mind, just like for me, it it was literally just a click. It was a split second to where I was like, I'm done. I don't want to do this anymore. And that moment happens. You will have all of your stuff in one spot, in one bag that all you got to do is grab that bag and run. So get that information, get, get copies of your social security card, birth certificate, any important documents that you may need. Um, have, again, like $50 or more, something where you can afford a motel, um, A, a mer- uh, yeah, something you can afford a motel for the night or some food for the night if you go over to someone's house or anything. Um, important phone numbers of individuals that you know just in case you are not able to access your cell phone write down individuals numbers and this is this is something that's very important because in this day and age We depend on our phones to be able to tell us everything, and a part of that is phone numbers. I honestly can't even tell you some of the people that's closest to me phone number by heart, because I know all I got to do is push their name and the phone number is there. So what you want to do is write these numbers down and then you want to make sure you have the copies of those numbers in that bag. So when you get out of that area of where your abuser is and you have to make a phone call to someone to help you, you have that phone number there. So um, that's, that is very, very key. Now, if you are working with someone that is or you're around someone that is being abused, there are certain things to keep in mind. Um, for one, you always want to come from a place of love um, and positivity. A person that is being abused is constantly always kind of trying to wrap their head around why this is happening to them. And most of the time they are just being flooded with negative thoughts and negative um images in their head about the last incident that happened or the time before that, or and they're constantly flooding their mind with questions about, you know, why is this happening to me? Why am I letting my children go through this? So you can just imagine the how what a positive statement could do for them. So you always want to come from a loving and positive place. Um never, never in any shape, form, or fashion within your language insinuate that the abuse is their fault. You never want to say, well, you stay girl, so you that's why you and your Bubby. Or you know, you the one that's allowing him to do this. You need to take your power back. Those type of statements only fuels the negative Thoughts and energy that they have going on within them, and it's making their abuser right. Because guess what? Their abuser is saying to them, You're worthless. You stay in here because I control you. I own you. I'm doing this to you, and you are allowing me to do it. So when they hear from their good girlfriend, or their mother, or their grandmother, their auntie, or their sister, like, Girl, y'all. Yeah. You stand there giving him all your power. They're just saying, oh my gosh, my abuser is right. So what is the point for me to leave? Because they are saying the same thing my abusers say to me. So you never want to come from a place of insinuating that it's their fault. You always want to reaffirm their strength, reaffirm their power, and reaffirm their positive abilities. You know, say, you know, I know that you are strong. I know that you are able. You are an amazing being. I love you. You know, just saying those things alone can work miracles as far as their self-esteem. Listen and don't judge. A lot of times when we are seeing someone close to us that is hurting, our first initial reaction is to go into action. Our first you thought is to go into action. We want to as soon as we hear something is happening to one, someone's close to us, we jump into action. In these situations, you have to listen. You know because as soon as you say, "All right, girl, we about to get out this situation. You coming to my house and you not gonna see me anymore," it is going to shock the person that is being abused, and they are gonna be like, this is another person trying to control me and tell me what to do. So you definitely just at first wanna be a an ear, and just again, continue to reaffirm their positive abilities and their strength, and just let them know, I'm here. You let me know what you want me to do. Whatever you want me to do, I am here. And then let them tell you what they need. Um, using language like, I'm concerned, I'm worried, I-, I care, I support. These are also things that will help the abusee feel more comfortable with letting you know, okay... This is what's happening to me and I need your help. You cannot force them to get out of their situation because they're already being controlled and forced in a situation with the abuser. So you just want to make sure that you are listening and not judging, continuing to reaffirm their strength and their power and offer your help, but do not force your help on them you know, say I'm here and I have, I have resources. I, I, I'm willing to help. You just let me know when. Give them the option to be able to say, okay, I'm making this decision for you to help me. And then you move on from there. So, Like I said, this is gonna get a little serious, but I I hope that this is information that you are able to share with others. Um, Every person I know has been touched by domestic abuse, whether it's been themselves or someone they know. Um, I am pleased to say that I meet more survivors than those that are not here anymore, and we wanna make sure that that continues to happen. Um, so again, I am going to repeat the phone number, which is the National Domestic Violence Hotline, which is 1-800-799-7233, which is the word safe. That's 1-800-799-7233. If you know somebody that needs that information, give it to them again. Thank you for listening. Um, You can catch me on all social media outlets, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, under the CL brand. Everything is under my hub, which is my website, which is www.CandiceLodre.com. That is C-A-N-D-I-C-E. L-O-D-R-E-E, all one word. You can find my books, apparel, accessories, as well as this podcast. Again, I hope that you all have an amazing rest of your week and weekend. And I will see you next Friday.